As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, welcome back to Full Time with Meglin Hand for a second time this week. You are listening to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Meg, your host, and I'm a national staff writer at the Athletic covering the NWL and the U.S. Women's National Team. The internationals have returned for the rest of the Challenge Cup. Gotham FC and North Carolina provided one of the best games of the tournament so far on Tuesday night. The Olympic tournament draw is in. It's also two days after we posted an entire episode about the European Super League, and the Super League is already no more. So to help me make sense of all of this and more is Kaylin Kyle. She has been on the call for so many of these NWSL Challenge Cup games so far, so we've got plenty to talk about on today's show. As always, before we get started, though, your reminder that you can support this podcast and also get all of the NWSL and U.S. Women's National Team coverage at The Athletic, plus every other thing we have to offer with the site and app by signing up for a new subscription at theathletic.com slash full-time. Right now, when you visit theathletic.com slash full-time, you can start your new subscription for $3.99 a month. Here is all of the latest news for you. So Chelsea kept their two-point lead on the Women's Super League table thanks to a 2-2 draw with Manchester City on Wednesday afternoon or at least Wednesday afternoon in the States anyway. This does leave open the door for some potential intrigue based on the final games of the season. Chelsea is playing Tottenham away and then Reading at home. Manchester City host Birmingham City and then play away at West Ham. Chelsea, of course, also have the Champions League semifinals on tap as well. Speaking of those semifinals, Chelsea will face Bayern and PSG advance past Lyon on Sunday after finally playing their delayed quarterfinal second leg. It was a Wendy Renard own goal that sent them through, which is perhaps a strange sort of cosmic rebalancing since Renard scored the PK in the first leg that had Lyon up on a fairly questionable call. PSG will face off against Barcelona. In even more Lyon-related news, the long-awaited loans from that team have finally hit for O.L. Reign. The two players heading to the States at the close of their season in France are goalkeeper Sarah Buhadi 
and midfielder Jennifer Marzan. Those two loans are going to run through December 2021, and in further details, they were both signed to NWSL contracts using allocation money and both use international slots. So the Reign will have two more international slots left for 2021. Jean-Michel Allah said, with OL Reign, they will get the special opportunity to live a new challenge and bring their experience to this unique football project, after which they will return to finish their career at OL. Finally, the Olympics draw, which happened at 4 o'clock in the morning, my time, on Wednesday, and I somehow was awake. The women's groups are E, F, and G. Japan, of course, leads Group E and was joined by Canada, Team GB, and Chile. Group F is China, Brazil, Zambia, and the Netherlands, and then the U.S. women's national team ended up in Group G with, you guessed it, of course they did, Sweden. <laughs> wouldn't be wouldn't be a major international tournament if it wasn't the U.S. women's national team and Sweden, but also, of course, Australia and New Zealand, which is going to be a bit of a fun and weird World Cup 2023 test run, and which also features two head coaches that the U.S. women's national team know very, very well. Very excited to have Kaylin Kyle with us today on the show. I asked her to come on after listening to her break down the tactics of the Washington Spirit win over Racing Louisville FC live on that broadcast. I think she's just been really killing it on breaking things down on the fly, but she's also been having a lot of fun and certainly also more than willing to poke some fun at herself along the way. She won bronze with Canada in the 2012 Olympics, appearing 101 times for her national team and played in the first few years of the NWSL with a little bit of a journey around the league, including at least a couple games with the Boston Breakers, gotta shout that out, but also time with the 2015 Thorns before being one of the first players on the Orlando Pride. She announced her retirement in 2017, but now has, I think, at least seven jobs, I'm pretty sure, including her NWSL commentary work with Inter-Miami of MLS, and she's becoming quite the regular on BN Sports. So we had a lot of ground to cover. Let's get right into it. So, Caitlin, I realized this morning as we were as we were prepping, I went back to figure out when I actually asked you to be on the podcast. It was Friday. So just in the entire time that we have been thinking about recording this podcast, the European Super League has come to be and fallen apart. And so originally, you know, like I know that you've had (laughs) everyone has very firm Super League opinions. I know obviously we are now looking at the other side of this thing like, okay, like it's it's done, it's gone, whatever. But I still kind of want to spend at least a minute or two on it because it was just such this like uniting force in a way that was very strange and interesting, but also women's soccer was such an afterthought for people too. Like where where are you on European Super League as of Wednesday when it is now? Like, we are already doing post-mortems. Yeah. So do you want me to be old Kalen that I speak my mind or now broadcasting Kalen where I have to really control what I, what I want? Is, um, I mean, it's no, up to I, you. No, I'm going to be outspoken about it, obviously, because... I'm a huge believer that fans is what makes football clubs work. And we actually touched about it on our show on BN. And it was a really interesting comment because some of the pundits were saying, you know, it's how football needs to move forward. And I'm like, 
but does it though? Like we're already seeing the, and this is before everything happened with the fans, but like the Liverpool supporters in the Klopp section saying, we want all of our scarves taken down. We want all of our flags taken down. And it really finally showed. And I think to American owners, because obviously we saw the Liverpool owner come out today um, and was like, I, we, we basically, we jumped the gun. Like we were selfish in thinking that the fans would get on support with this and just coming out in the blue. And I think what really made it evident is yes, and a business American model, $5 billion JP Morgan's putting what was wanting to put behind this. It goes to show that money sometimes doesn't talk. And it gives me goosebumps saying that because this is why football for me or soccer, wherever you are in the world is the best game in the world because fans created these clubs. It's what made them these multi-billion dollar corporations and businesses at the end of the day. And this is why American owners have come in and purchased these clubs because they see dollar signs at the end of the day. And I know like the, the American business model is very like NFL driven, um, NBA driven, but that doesn't work in other countries because of the fan support. They grew up and generations growing up in these households that were Liverpool supporters, United supporters. I mean, uh, lead supporters right. like obviously aren't in the weren't potentially in the Super Cup, but it, it, the the fans getting behind it, players speaking speaking out about it as well. I mean, obviously like players like Hadea, you had Jurgen Klopp speak about it. Um, so I I knew at the end of the day the fans would win, or if the fans didn't win, players like the Ronaldos, the Lionel Messi's were going to step up and be like, this isn't football. Football is about promotion and relegation. And yes, people are like, but then or the MLS doesn't have that. Yeah, because it's a very new league. Like the European football has been around for hundreds of years. MLS has been around for almost 30 years and it's getting there. And we have numerous teams adding into adding into the league. But I'm delighted. Like, I'm absolutely delighted. Obviously, we've seen all the EPL teams pulling out. We're starting to see Atletico Madrid pull out. Uh, we're starting. I, I love that the PSG owner came out and said, we were never on board with right, this and, right. and people are saying what they want about him, but that's class for me. That goes to show that that is a proper organization that it's fans first business second. And yes, whatever he, he's a multi billionaire, I'm sure, but I don't know what his bank account is a lot more than mine. Let's just be honest. Um, but it just goes to show that there is owners out there. There is coaches out there. There is players out there that it's more than just money to them. And I think that showed with players being outspoken about it as well. Like a lot of fans tuning in on the weekend are like, Oh, they get paid hundreds and thousands of dollars. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they care about football. They care about the fans being in the stands. And obviously we're not able to do that right now. And I, I think that says, and I think this speaks a lot about what soccer means to everyone around the world, the kids in the street in Brazil playing barefoot in the, in the streets and growing up with that, the, the kids in at recess, I don't know what they call it over in England. I, I'll have to ask my husband. He'll kill me for saying that. Um, but going out in the, the pissing down rain and freezing weather to play soccer and football. And I, I just think it's really incredible with what we're seeing. And I think it's really powerful statement. Um, and I, yeah, I'm like, I'm proud that I was a player and now I'm proud that I'm covering it because I think that the fans really proved that it's more than just a business. It, it's really a culture. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. All right. So just in terms of the women's side of it, right, obviously a very different landscape, but also one of the big things that we heard about is we've got Champions League changes coming. But I want to talk about our current Champions League situation since we are down to the final four teams. You're on you've been on the calls for some of the the more interesting games. I mean, that Lyon versus PSG game was certainly not necessarily the result that probably a lot of people would have expected just knowing Lyon's <laughs> historical domination of this tournament but what are you thinking in terms of of women's champions league is there a team that you like maybe more than the others out of these last four um if i'm being honest like, and i'm not even saying this because i've been on the call for the game but psg is, is exciting obviously in the league they're four points ahead of Lyon. they won the first leg uh versus them in in obviously league the first leg versus Lyon in the champions league they absolutely dominated that one it came down to a pk late and it was bad pk by the yeah. way like a terrible call from a referee and i know everyone knows me i never get along with referees i didn't when i play I still don't on the broadcast i know it's a tough job so i know you have refs that are tuning in and they're probably thinking this girl wouldn't last 20 minutes on the pitch i wouldn't but guess what I'm not doing it I didn't decide to be a referee but you can't give a late goal away obviously when you were not steps up puts in the back of the net and then the second leg PSG for me I think they outcoached them they tactically outplayed them I think they were absolutely brilliant I mean talk to me about Ashley Lawrence and just how good she was I mean she was absolutely clinical in that game and I just love how they play the build up out of the back they never look like they're they're rushed. They never look like they're frazzled, even obviously going into that game, knowing they needed uh, the win and two goals um, as well, obviously for the, the aggregate score to push them through. They just look calm, cool, and collected. The substitutes they made were incredible. The two center backs for PSG are, I think some of the best in the world are absolutely phenomenal. The ability to play out the back and that's not taking anything away from Kiddish Buchanan and Wendy Renard because they're players in their own right. Um, but just like overrunning the midfield as well, dominating, they just dominated everywhere on the pitch. And I, I think it's really incredible to see. And again, that goes back to an owner that's investing in the women's program, obviously speaking to Ashley, cause um, I'd played with her. She'd said our training grounds, phenomenal. And this sounds so stupid, but like we're provided meals. And I know for listeners tuning in, that's normal in the men's game. Like they have like amazing catered food, but she was like, you just feel like a professional and it's little things too, like BN sports doing promo videos for them and amazing graphics. And we're seeing it in the NWSL with amazing graphics. Um, And then also with PSG just, and again, this sounds so stupid, but having the women on the males social media pages and male players tweeting about it. I mean, we saw Pochettino in the stands for the first leg versus with Leon. Right, and right. So it's just, if for me, it's so incredible to see where the games progress because when I grew up women's soccer, like wasn't a thing, like I watched NHL. So obviously Barcelona absolutely dominating too. So I think this is going to, it kind of sucks if I'm being honest, because obviously the Leon PSG game, you never want to see that in a quarterfinal. Right. Like you were hoping that those two teams would obviously push through. I'm delighted for PSG because Obviously, it was a big task to knock off Leon. And then Barcelona have just been, I mean, sweet b- bye yeah. to people like, see you later. We're getting to the final. We want to lift this cup. So it's really incredible to see. So yeah. I can't pick a favorite nest technically with my work. But if I had to, 
I would honestly say PSG. I just think all around they're incredible and they have depth coming off the bench as well. Yeah, I mean, I do. I, I've definitely kind of thought like, man, I really do wish that PSG versus Barcelona was the final just because I think those are two teams that like, these are two teams that we have seen in the competition over and over again. And like either they faced each other earlier on in the competition or like, but they, they have never quite had that like, Mm-hmm. mental edge that you you kind of need to like progress through the tournament and now they they seem to have just kind of like the full package and so to get them like granted I'm glad that we get two legs we get like the full experience rather than yeah. just a final and also I'm still very fascinated to see Chelsea in this competition as a team that has been I think mm-hmm. built <laughs> to win Champions League yeah. but PSG versus Barcelona is just like these two teams that have kind of been like side stage for so long finally getting their moment and only one of them advancing feels really... it feels wrong yeah like but it's just not right. one thing that will i will say feels right too is like obviously I'm, I'm lucky enough to be on the call for these games but these women and again it's going back to my point about like equality like women playing in camp no like i can't even imagine yes there's no fans there or whatever because of covid but like imagine lacing up your cleats and being able to play in a historic venue like that or you know um psg's home ground like it's just it, it, it's phenomenal to see and i'm like i'm proud that finally big male clubs are getting behind the women's league paying the money they deserve quite frankly as well like i've heard some contracts and i'm like Woof, maybe i retired too early now let's just be honest i'm not at psg level yeah i can i can say that I can hold my hand up and say that but um it, it's great to see and obviously just having the and networks picking up women's champions leagues. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. so stupid. I mean, the accessibility like, now is just, and it's going to only get better with champions league too, since we know that the whole like reformat of champions league is going to actually allow for centralized television. Right. So we might actually like be able to watch the whole thing without I know. trying to figure out like, oh, okay, this game is on this streamer and this the game is here. People that are like, where can I watch it? We can't find it. I'm like, it's on the extra channel. They're like, but we don't, get that in Canada I'm like well we have it on Facebook they did do it on Facebook yep. live the last game so a lot of people had to tune into that which I thought was really cool I had Carmelina Moscato texting me from the Bahamas and I'm like jump on Facebook is that banned in Bahamas she's like no I can watch it there so again it's like like you said like the amount of stuff I see online like oh I have to get a VPN to watch this game and a legal yeah. stream so I'm, I'm I'm hoping again like you said that changes and we get rights because we're seeing it in the nwsl with cbs i mean it's absolutely incredible we're, we're having it on both platforms as well the twitch i know um for obviously around the world and then for the paramount plus so i don't know i'm just like i'm proud to see women finally kicking ass and like someone like yourself too that is like so pro women's sport and and just seeing people do well like your coverage is like it's the best i always say this like I was trying to get your number. I'm like trying to pick you up. Right I was trying to get your number off Twitter. And it, like, you, by the way, didn't respond to my I know. DMs. Yeah, because I almost first. never check my like, <laughs> my DMs in a start. It's just like, I have to like mentally think about it to be like, this should be on my list. And then I never do it. And then every once in a while no. I'll check and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> there's so many okay. people in here. <laughs> you can tell I'm not bitter now because now I have your drink line. So I know. Um, whenever there's like something I don't know, I'm like, oh, hell. Anyways. <laughs> All right, one more before I, I really want to get into NWSL with you because obviously you've been on the call for a lot of games, but we did have the Olympic draw. We're recording this on Wednesday. We are now a couple hours out. I actually managed to get back to sleep after accidentally waking up at 4 a.m. to watch it silently on mute, which is a new level of pain for a FIFA draw. Um, 
yourself through that? <laughs> I had like closed captions on, so it was it was a ride in terms of like that's not what they're saying that's even at all. First, Meg. <laughs> I'm just pulling it up here so I know what I'm on about. Yeah. First, I want to obviously. I'm sure you have very firm thoughts about Canada's group, so I want to start with Canada before we move okay. on to the to the rest. Just in terms of obviously, Canada had a couple really strong performances in the the April window. So what yeah. are you thinking of these matchups for, for Canada? I think it's going to be tough if I'm honest. Uh, but I think all these tournaments, if they're not tough, they're not the best tournaments to play in. And I think one thing that Canada has been really good at is since John, obviously John Herman's not with our men's program, but since he came to Canada and really changed the mindset of our players and really believed that we could be one of those nations fighting for a medal because really that was never implemented in our mindset or our structure or our strategy. It was like, go out there, play long balls, get in behind, win first and second phase, get stuck into tackles. And I was like the midfielder that was literally having to get my neck checked after every game because the ball was literally going over me like this. So I'm like delighted that John came in and changed just our playing tactics, playing out of the back. But I mean, you look at it like Chile, we should be able to get by. But again, when you get teams into these tournaments, literally anything can happen. Japan is Japan. They're extremely difficult to break down. They're so structured with how they play. And then GB, GB is always a powerhouse. And I would say maybe two years ago, obviously we had beaten them in the London Olympics. Um, I think it was quarterfinals or semifinals. Quarterfinals. Yeah, it was, it was U.S. knocked something semis. Um, but now with the money that they put in, um, this I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying. So Apologies to everyone, but this is this is old Kaelin coming out. The reason why I think Canada will struggle going forward, yes, they've had good results, but you look at all these countries. For example, let's look at the last World Cup. The last eight teams, seven of them had domestic leagues. Canada being the only place that doesn't have a domestic league. Now, yes, we have Canadians that play overseas. We have Canadians that play in America and WSL, thankfully, but we don't have a professional league in Canada. And I think that is going to hurt us in the long run. And I think the longer we wait, the more we're going to fall behind these nations. And it's just inevitable because you look at the money that GB is putting into um, their women's uh, league and mm -hmm. the Tottenham. I mean, look at the players that have gone over there. You, right, the, right. The WSL is, is very much like in the ascension it, phase. Exactly. You look at the, the stars from the U.S. women's national team that have gone over there, especially with the NWSL having a, a weird league last season. The Alex Morgan's going on loan to Tottenham. Thankfully, she's obviously back in the NWSL. But you look at some players that, hey, we want to stay here because the league's really good. It's different. It's a different change of scenery. You know, you're getting that European experience living overseas. So, again, I think and I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but we literally have two male professional leagues the cpl and the mls and we still don't have one team in the nwsl not even an nwsl franchise right. in Canada, which is like you have toronto you have montreal you have vancouver you have these big mls clubs with loads of money behind it by the way these aren't just millionaires they're billionaires that owns these companies like and there's numerous billionaires in canada so it's alarming to me that we haven't had any investors in it and we haven't had any movement and Canada soccer keeps saying this is where I'm probably going to get in trouble but Canada soccer keeps coming out with it's coming it's coming yeah well, when it's coming yeah. I mean then that's been the discussion soccer. since the start of NWSL is like could you put a team in Vancouver like I feel like the three the three locations that you named Vancouver Montreal Toronto have always kind of been in the mix of this potential expansion market we've 
We've even gotten some, whether it's the MLS club that's already there or potentially, you know, an interested party. Obviously, Josie Altidore has been pretty vocal in terms of like his NWL interest. Like, I know, but I'm he. American. I think he wants to have it in Toronto. So at least, I, I would love, but that, and again, it's coming down to an American player that's played in Toronto and knows the passion, knows the fans. Everyone wants it. Yeah, everyone literally loves. Like, and our men's team slowly getting better. Obviously, John, they're starting to play better. We're starting to get players like Alfonso Davies, Kyle Laren, leading goal scorer for Besiktas in the Turkish league, absolutely smashing it. Alfonso Davies killing it with Bayern Munich, like Champions League titles, league titles, like. The game's changing in Canada. It's the number one registered sport. So it's literally beyond me that we don't have one franchise team. Like they're like, well, we're going to wait. We're going to see how the NWSL, um, hello, wake up. The NWSL has been around for years. Like I honestly don't even think like I would love to join the NWSL, but why not start our own league in Canada, you know, and, and keep our Canadian players in our own backyard and maybe do like a tournament, like, you know, how they do with national teams with the, the, the cups with four teams going in, do that with NWSL and the Canadian league. I, I think yeah. that would be incredible. And it just only draws more attention. Like whenever we play at BC place or uh, Toronto FC stadium, it's sold out. You can't get tickets. So, and then they're not wearing hockey jerseys. They're not wearing TFC jerseys. They're wearing Canadian national team jerseys. It's literally beyond me. My hair is falling out from it because I, the people I talk to, I won't throw them under the bus because I'm throwing myself under the bus. Um, but they don't even have answers and they're trying and they're, they're really trying in Canada. And thankfully we have some amazing ex pros um, that are really pushing for this. But again, we're losing huge players. Carmeline Moscato to the Bahamas, Rian Wilkinson to England. Like we're losing players that should be in Canada coaching for the Canadian national team, being part of the Canadian soccer association. Um, and again, if I get in trouble for saying this, like it needs to be said, but we shouldn't be losing these type of players and the caliber of what they can add um, to the organizations around Canada and what they can really do and build. And, and Diana Matheson's another one, like hopefully when she retires, like they, they are like, come into Canada soccer, teach us, what do we need to do? How do we build this franchise? So again, I don't know. That's me being old Kalen, I guess yeah. you can say it just, <laughs> it frustrates me. It really does. I mean, because we have good players. Yeah. And I mean, I think now with increased investment into CONCACAF, right? Obviously, if you want to talk about another Canadian kind of being at a, a level of power, Karina LeBlanc being in charge of CONCACAF's exactly. plans. But now the fact that there are these, these kind of long-term plans of, okay, we could have a CONCACAF league across NWSL, Liga MX, like all of these other spots. We have Champions League for women. Why don't we have that? It would be incredible. Like you said, look at the Mexican team or the Mexican league, how vibrant it, there was before COVID hit, there was like 55,000 yeah, in the Liga MX feminile is it's just, crazy. it's a crazy, it's in the, and that's again, another country that has had faith to bring in a women's league and look at how successful it is. Just pull the trigger Canada already. What are you waiting for? Yeah. All right. Let's, We'll, we'll, we'll let Canada have a breather <laughs> because Thank I want to talk about NWSL because yes. so you were on the call and, and as of when people are listening to this, it will be two nights ago. But one of my original questions for you was I had been feeling kind of, I don't want to say underwhelmed, but I thought the quality of Challenge Cup games had been a little, we'll, we'll use a, a <laughs> 10 things I hate about you joke, but like I had just been whelmed so far okay. by the quality of games. And then... <laughs> Then we had Gotham FC versus North Carolina Courage. Forget about it. <laughs> Just truly, like, if 
if I feel like I mentally needed a game like this, which to be fair, as I texted you after the game, I was like, this was all vibes, no defense. <laughs> it really was, but it can't, I called, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I am here. I called this game. I said, it's going to be a goal fest. Then it went into the locker room, obviously, uh, North Carolina, um, was it three, two going in? No. Three, two going in. Three, with, yeah, with three, going, yeah. And I said, North Carolina is going to tie this one up early on. Paul Riley is going to shake things up in the locker room. And I wouldn't want to be in that locker room, quite frankly. And he did, he came out and made two sub or three substitutes and two being center backs. I've never seen that anywhere in the world, having two center backs getting subbed out. Now, granted, they weren't good enough. I'm not going to dig into them again because I did it enough on the game. But then you had Caldwell and Kurtz come in, and they did quite well, quite frankly. Later on in the game, you have two fullbacks that get subbed out. So that whole back line of Paul Riley subbed out, so it says a lot to you. But when you're playing with a box midfield against a diamond midfield, it was inevitable it was going to be a goal fest because of the amount of space. And when the game starts to open up because you commit so many players forward because you need your fullbacks to get involved to add the space on the outside, it's inevitable it's going to be a goal fest, which I'm delighted about. I'm absolutely delighted about. I wish all the games were like this. But again, I do like to see some defense. Like Joe, for me, for Gotham, other than Purse, was man or player of the match. Phenomenal. She was incredible all over the pitch. But I think, it, again, it shows, and I hate saying this because it, I don't want to take away from players that have done well with internationals being out of the lineup. But what internationals add to a team is something that really can't be replaced because the Carly Lloyd comes straight in, Curse comes straight in, and they completely change the mindset of Gotham and, and how they want to attack. I mean, Carly Lloyd, I started laughing on the broadcast at the last goal because of the cheeky back heel. In the I, middle. I was like, like just that pass was so, I mean, that's... It was like, she was like, what is she, 38 running <laughs> ager, but like literally... Out, outran everyone probably on the pitch and then to still have the energy and the mental capacity to have that cheeky little touch in the midfield for the goal um goes out wide then puts in for, I, I don't even remember because I, I feel like yeah it was Lloyd to Eddie, to, to Eddie yeah. to Anamanu uh, to Evelyn Vien yeah but just see this is why you need to sit next to me in the driver's <laughs> on these games but and again, and then on the other side of it, though, like w what Lynn Williams adds to the team, again, coming directly in, her ability to get behind the back line. And it, it, it changed how Jess McDonald played because the, the last game they played, Jess McDonald looked a little bit off. She wasn't really her typical self. Um, and then O'Sullivan, for me, it was quite quiet. Um, I'm a huge fan of O'Sullivan. I hated playing against her. She like gets in your head. She annoys you as a player because she like gets stuck in and she's like five foot, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, how are you always around me? Um, but she was a little bit quiet, but then again, Murphy and net. So I just think I hate, again, I don't love saying it, but what national team players do add to this league, it's irreplaceable. And it showed in this game last night. Yeah. I mean, I just think in terms of, you know, the, the fact that we are starting the tournament kind of right now, so international players were missing. I do think like the league did kind of miss this opportunity of you could have set this at the same time as the Olympics. So that way, A, we could mm -hmm. see the depth then, but B, you know, we wouldn't be missing the contribution. Like it's one of these things I think a lot of us have just been kind of tossing around of like there were two paths and we maybe took the weirder scheduling option. You're saying this, not me, Meg. I, <laughs> yeah. throwing, I, I haven't been shy about saying it either because it's just... Like, there are pros and cons to it, right? And I do actually really like the idea of having kind of this preseason tournament because, again, like, and this this was the next thing I wanted to ask you is, 
this is this standalone thing, right? We are getting our first look at the teams. We're getting the first look at some of the changes. Like obviously North Carolina is a very different team right now than what we have seen in the past. Gotham yeah. FC, like even post game, you know, Mitch Purse is in Zoom with us saying like, we are, we are a new team. Like the roster maybe didn't change as much, but like we have this different approach. And so we're getting a better and more meaningful look than kind of the traditional preseason games, but also... How much can we read into the teams right now so well, far it, with Challenge Cup? Yeah, I, I don't think you can read too much into it until the full squads are back. Yes, we're going to be missing international players due to the Olympics coming up. So I think it's an incredible opportunity for some of these young players. I mean, look at CC Kaiser for racing. Been absolutely brilliant for racing. I mean, getting in behind and has been pleasantly surprising where I'm like, I love watching you play. So there's opportunities like that, obviously with expansion teams coming in and having players that might not have played um, starting minutes with other teams because of international. So it gives them an opportunity to be seen. But then again, like you said, I think with what you miss with the internationals gone, the games tend to drop, but that comes down to mentality of these national team players and really, and I'm not taking, again, not taking anything away because everyone has a great mental, mental capacity, but it's the, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the energy they bring. Yeah. It, it, it's unmatched yeah. because they played in big games. They played in World Cups. They played in finals of World Cups and Olympics. So it's just something that you can't give to other players. But what other players are learning from that is that energy. So I, I do like the fact that they do have this tournament because, you know, every game matters. Uh, and whoever, whatever coach says the, this tournament doesn't matter is lying to you because everyone wants to lift that title. I mean, we saw again with Houston, when have we ever seen Houston dash really push for a title in the league? So it was an opportunity for a team to really showcase themselves and for fans to get on board. Ooh, I want to go to a Houston dash game because right. they were super exciting to watch. Newest, for example, absolutely phenomenal in that challenge cup in last season. And now she's killing it with the U S women's national team. So it gave her an opportunity to jump back in there. So I think it's brilliant. I think the, the players love it. I think the managers love it. Um, and I think, I mean, fans, I love it again, um, because it's exciting. It's that American mindset of the playoffs yeah. <laughs> people tuning in. It's the semifinal quarterfinal of the UEFA champions league. So I don't know. I, I absolutely, I, I do really love it. And I think it gives these players uh, an ability to showcase themselves when national team players aren't there and potentially look at lineups when they are gone for the Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is kind of the main takeaway. I also think, you know, it is nice to just also have multiple competitions now within mm -hmm. NWSL because before it was like, okay, who wins the shield? Who wins the championship? Right. And, and this is kind of the feeling of uh, American sports, probably, especially to folks who might be watching from Europe, but like the shield does not necessarily mean you're winning the championship. Right. Like, whereas it's just like who wins the regular season for them and then they're done. Mm -hmm. But you would also have maybe the ICC tournament come into the mix, right? So that was another one, the fact that we were getting, like, Courage versus Lyon. But now we have a Challenge Cup, which is this kind of nice additional thing that gives some weight. And I think the more tournaments you have like this, it only preps for national, well, for tournament phases. So these national team players going into these tournaments, you know, the East versus the West, then you get to, like, the point system, then it's knockout phase. So it really preps you. Um, I won't, It's not similar in the way of maybe the competition, but it preps you of how to prep for matches when you are in big tournaments. So it's only beneficial for national team players in the long run, because it's, you want to finish 
high on the top in the round robin. So you have an easier crossover and then it preps you for those knockout games. So again, I think it's only beneficial. I love that they kept it. Um, and I love that the NWSL is starting to really change the mindset of the NWSL and getting other people excited for it. Cause I, I don't necessarily think that that was the case when it first kicked back off. I think it was, you know, let's just get a women's pro league in America. And now it's like, there's a thought process behind it. Let's get TV rights behind it. Let's showcase, let's get good graphics. Let's do post pregame and halftime interviews with players. Let's, you know, I don't know. I just feel like there's more people covering it now yeah. at a better quality. So it gets people excited, which is incredible to see. And there's maybe a plan, which I love. Yeah, plan. <laughs> yeah. Love a good plan. I don't know if it's always a hundred percent there, but there are at least generally some semblance of a plan. Yes. I do want to talk to you about some some specific player things, especially you were also on the call for uh, Washington versus Louisville. And I want to mm-hmm. talk to you about Trinity Rodman, who I think Stop. has. She's incredible. Anyways, go on. Ask your question. <laughs> I just I mean, honestly, the question really is Trinity Rodman thoughts, because I think that that has been like her, you know, obviously a, a top draft pick. Right. The fact that she has skipped college, gone right to NWSL, and then comes into the first game as a sub, immediately makes a difference, gets to start in the second game, and really was the player for the spirit in that second match. What are you seeing from her? What I love is I got asked this question about it, like, um, oh, she didn't go to college. I'm like, that's not a bad thing. Like... I know going to college in America is like the first question I always get asked is what college did you go to? And I'm like, well, I'm like, my name's Kaylin. Very nice to meet you. Like it's just, and I don't know why that is. Or like even people with our two sons are like, what, where, what do you think about college? I'm like, well, they're two and a half and one's five months old. Like I haven't even thought about my bank account. Hasn't even thought about college. So I, I I love that Trinity Rodman, obviously, um, chose not to go to her college because obviously couldn't play because of COVID. So anyways, went into the draft. But what I love that potentially that Trinity has on other players that have gone to college is the fact that she hasn't gotten caught up in the college mindset or hasn't been maybe coached or changed the way I have to be careful with what I say here. Coaches have changed the way of potentially what Trinity Rodman could have lost going to an NCAA college. So she's fresh. It's like when you go into a job, sometimes people hire someone with less experience because it's easier to train them and get them ready for the NWSL. She's come into the NWSL and doesn't look like she's a pace off anything because she's coachable. She's got that winning mentality. She's got that fighting mentality. She hasn't been caught up in the, the college where it's, Soccer necessarily isn't the first thought because you have the school, there's the parties, there's the travel, where is NWSL, it's you're a professional. You you have to eat right, you have to train right, you can't be going out on the weekends, although a few celebrations, I can't say that I didn't do that. But again, like Trinity, what she brings is just that clean slate and that mindset of like that winning mentality. And you can see in interviews that she's done too. And I love, love, love this about her with obviously her father being superstar I don't want to be in the shadow of my father I want to make my own name for myself and that to me says a lot about who she is and I was like okay I want to see you play first comes off the bench second touch absolute palazzo splits the center back ball off the thigh and bangs at home I'm like okay 
maybe it was just lucky. Then starts the second, and obviously playing as that target nine as the sub, then starts the second game out on the wing on the right-hand side, which I think she's, a, I think, I do think she's more dangerous through the midfield or through the middle of the park because of her, her back towards uh, play, the ability to pop off her pace to get behind. She's very clever, the vision and awareness. I think sometimes when she was on the wing was a little bit lost, but then again, you saw that two opportunities when she did roll inside to, to get the shot off and then the assist actually came from it. So I think she just has so much potential and you can see like, she's just passionate. You can't give players that you can't, you can give someone all the tools to be successful and you know, they can be the most gifted player in the world, but if they don't have that mindset of like the winning mentality and genuinely love the game, they're never going to be world-class. And I said it on the broadcast, I think in two or three years, Trinity Rodman will be on the U S women's national team. If she keeps progressing and keeps keeping her head, doesn't get caught up in the mix because I think she has all the tools to be an incredible player, not only for NWSL, but for the U S team. Yeah. I mean, I watched actually when the U twenties were trying to qualify for their world cup, obviously Trinity Rodman is on that team. And that, that is also a pretty stacked team as well and you know under laura harvey who obviously has like a pretty good good understanding too of what a player might need development wise and i think one of the really exciting things about the u.s women's national team now too is like obviously pandemic has a lot of challenges but it did allow for this time of okay you install vlako and donofsky as head coach you're Mm -hmm. doing all the hiring across the program and then they can just talk to each other for a number of months. Mm-hmm. And I think the best part too, is you touched on it with Laura Harvey. It's these coaches that again, Laura coming from England, it's, she grew up in that culture. Like I talked when we were talking about the super league and it's, it's very different mindset than here in America. Um, if I'm being quite honest and it's not being disrespectful, it's just the truth. So having someone like a Laura Harvey, that's passionate, you can't find coaches like her. It's very difficult and female coaches that are passionate about football that, you know, watch football for fun, like me and you, like on a Tuesday, whatever, what day is it? What day is it today? Tuesday, you, <laughs> today is Wednesday. <laughs> like you're mental. And I love it. Like, you know what I mean? And she, she's a player or she is a coach like that, that she wants to see players do well. And she knows what players need in order to be successful. So I think Trinity literally has the world at her feet. And now it's just like what she does with it. And if she can keep building and keeps like the mental capacity and the mental side of her game really strong. Cause I think that's what, you know, when you look at someone like a Carly Lloyd, that's been doing it for however many years and still killing at the age she's, she's done it at with the criticism she's got along the way comes down to mindset at the end of the day, because she doesn't care what people think about her. She just wants to be the world's best player and have performances in and out. So I think if Trinity Robin can have that mindset, uh, again, she'll, she'll crush it both professionally and with the national team. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I have been really excited about is the fact that Washington has uh, essentially like made sure that she has Brianna Scurry as a mentor, right? Like if you want to talk about people who have that elite mindset, it's just, I think a really cool and interesting connection in terms of like how do you how do you develop a player who is like we just we have not necessarily seen this kind of level of thought go into maybe an individual player development yet in this league Mm -hmm. at this age which it says a lot about the league like we're talking about there's a plan there's a plan on these teams coaches coming in there seems to be a plan they're passionate they want to see the nwsl do well players that are signing from overseas. I know we're going to get to that in a minute, but it it shows that 
this league is here to stay, but they want to continue to grow. I mean, you look at Seattle Rain, well, used to be Seattle Rain, yeah. now partnering with a, like a European massive franchise that knows how to, to take care of business and knows what it takes to be successful. Like you're seeing stuff like that. And I think we'll continue to see more of it. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked if I know that there was talks about in the past of Barcelona wanting to buy a franchise in the NWSL. I, I'm, I'm sure Real Madrid at one moment because the U S I mean, who doesn't want to live in the U S who doesn't want to have business in the U S. So again, I just see so much potential and growth within the NWSL it's frightening. It's alarming. And I know it's going to be one of the biggest domestic leagues in the world. Is it yet? I don't think it is yet. I think it will be. And I think we're getting there for sure. Um, if we can, you know, get all the best talent playing in this league, but again, with 10 teams, it's got to continue to grow and continue to have the ownership that we're already seeing the franchise teams coming in with, you know, not just celebrities, but people that are passionate about women's sport. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about the two major international yeah. signings. I'm for, looking at them right now. <laughs> for the rain. I mean, this has been kind of in, it's been a long time coming for this announcement to actually hit that goalkeeper Sarah Buhadi and then midfielder Jennifer Marazan are incoming for the rain. Obviously, we have to wait for the, the season in France to, to wrap up, but then they will be here through at least December uh, on loan. Obviously, I mean, Morrow is a player that can step into this league and immediately be on a level that we have not seen, I think. No, I mean, you look at just her playing ability. I mean, being usually that front runner, the tip of the midfield can get behind, but then scores goals. She brings in loads of experience, loads of national team experience, World Cups, you name it. But I mean, she's been named one of the best players in the world for how many years? And what's scary, too, is the I think it was 2018 where it was that could have potentially been that season ending injury um, and came back and is still absolutely smashing it. So, again, it comes down to that mindset and that ability to want to be the best. So that's going to be scary in itself, by the way, her in a midfield. I would never want to play against her ever, ever again, but then add good goalkeeping to it. I mean, how many times has she been on FIFA's best 11 uh, of goalkeeper of the year? Um, I think the last one, she was goalkeeper of the year. I'm pretty sure with that. I'm like a hundred, 98%. Yeah, that, sure. sounds, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Sarah, Buha, like she is a, she is, I a think legend. arguably, you know, in terms of the, the line of goalkeepers, I think you have, like Anger, Hope Solo, right? And then like Buhadi has been kind of the next name in that mm -hmm. line. No, and, and it's very true. And I think um, on the women's game, how many good goalkeepers are there? It's scary. And especially with the U.S. team, I feel like they just produce machines out of America with good goalkeeping. But I mean, even in the game, just her leadership, her vocal communication, the ability to, to come out or distribution, like everything is just like check, 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 check. So what she can add in this league is like, it's frightening. Like that leadership in this league, I think some teams potentially do miss that in the back line. Obviously we saw the, the game last night, like there was really no leadership in those back lines and to have a goalkeeper and it's not being disrespectful by any means, but to have a someone run the midfield, but then to have a goalkeeper playing behind maybe a young back line, maybe a shaky back line and an experienced back line. I remember playing in front of Hope Solo at Seattle before it turned into OL rain. And literally, I was like scared to make a mistake because I didn't want to let her down. And I know that sounds so silly, but I respected her 
And yes, I'm Canadian, but I respected so much for what she has done in the game. But then playing with her in training and playing with her in games was, it made me so much better. I'd never played center back before. And she was actually the one that went to Laura and was like, why not drop Kaylin in our center, our center back? Well, our center backs aren't good enough. And I was like, me, a center back? Like, I'm slow. Like, she was like, yeah, but your positioning is good and you can read the game. And I was like, like, in my head, I'm like, yeah. I'm getting from Hope Solo, someone I tried to take her head off and I don't know what that was. I wanted to like, I, there's mem memes or memes, memes, whatever you call it, all around the world about it. Um, we still laugh about it, but um, we always talk about it now. We obviously work together at BN and she was like, you were one of my favorite center backs to play uh, behind. And I was like, you played it with like world class people but again that it comes down to someone having that leadership and the ability to ingrain confidence into players that might not have it in those roles so again what these players are going to add to this league not only with ol but more european players coming over and seeing how good the league is how good the organization is, is it's so beneficial for all the teams not just them yeah, I do want to talk to you also, you know, you you made a joke about Hope Solo and <laughs> I it is really funny like obviously there is um still some lingering Canada America discourse, right? I did kind of like take a quick hop through your mentions last night because like I I started laughing hysterically when you were like I have to give props to Carly Lloyd, right? Like there is some so like and it's not like bad natured or anything. It's just like we've got some like history. <laughs> this is the thing is everyone's like Canadian America rivals. It was never really a rival because rivals is when one team wins, the other team wins, then there's draws. We never beat America. So like, I always struggled when like our graphics would come out and be like U S Canada rival. I'm like, we're literally like 38 and against them. Like, and I know I'm not being disrespectful, but like it was always a battle and it was always like a struggle to play against them because they're the best in the world. They have the best players in the world. So it was never like, did I hate playing against some of them? 100%. But do I have respect for them? 1000% because they allowed me to play in the NWSL. They allowed me to play on the world's greatest stage. They allowed me to be part of the 2012 Olympics, that legendary game that put Canada on the map and put, you know, women's soccer on the map around the world. So for me, like there's no ill feeling. So I don't, like, I don't care if you're Canadian, you're German, you're American, you're Spanish, like if you're a good player, you're a good player and you deserve credit. And I, I just think it doesn't matter what country you play for. If you're growing the game and you're continuing to, you know, be a voice of the game for younger generation that want to play on a national team, like I want to leave it better than when I came in. And I think I did that at the national team. And I, now I want to cover women's sport and be passionate about it. Like I want you to feel me in your living room because I am passionate about it. And I think there should be more coverage with it. I think there should be more growth with it. Is it getting there? Yes. It's taking a goddamn long time, but slowly getting there. So like me talking about Carly Lloyd, someone had tweeted, a tweeted at me. I won't say the word that they use. This was in, at the world's cup. Like I bleep in hate Kaylin Kyle. Then she quote tweeted it last night and said, I love Kaylin Kyle. She's giving Carly Lloyd props. I'm like, see, you guys all come on board. You just got to give it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't care what national, national team you played with. Like I'm proud to represent Canada. And like, it was one of the greatest moments ever. And someone actually said to me, if the super league started when you played and it was the, on the women's side and they said, you weren't able to play in any euros or world cups. What would you do? I said, not a chance. They said, even on a million dollar contract, I said, I would have taken my $15,000 a year in the NWSL 
not throwing anyone under the bus, but I am, but I would play for my national team and, and represent in a world cup and Olympics. Cause those are moments that now I'm going to be able to share with my sons and share with my family. And I'm like very proud of that. Like I'm proud of a lot of things, mostly my sons and my husband, but then the Olympic medal and representing my country over 101 times is literally like, I, you can't describe it because you can't buy things like that. Like that money, money can't buy that. And I think that's again, going back to the super league money can't buy, you know, memories and football promotion, relegation, world cup titles, league titles, champions league titles. And, um, that's again, that's why it's like the best sport in the world. Yeah. All right. I have one last one that is on a wildly different note, but literally, (laughs) so at, at one point in your career, you made your way to the Orlando Pride. There yes. was a big, you know, promotional push when the Pride existed. Um, alongside, you know, you're one of the kind of the founding players of the Pride alongside Alex Morgan and, and Sarah Hagen. Well, you backed off Alex Morgan. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I got dealt in the trade and they were, like, she, they were like, okay, well, she's coming in with Alex anyway, so let's just put her in the photo shoot. <laughs> hey, that's right. So there is there is a tweet. And what what is so great is, when I went digging through my phone, I was like, listen, I've had this this image on my phone since this happened, right? It has, like, I've had multiple phones, but the image has traveled, and it's you I love it. and Alex, and it's cropped from an original image, but it's just you kind of looking at something off screen, and as I as I frame it, like, it is the you, David, before Shit's Creek even existed. Like, it is just, like, this complete... Complete like no, I don't want this. And it's actually like it was a it was from a tweet that was like this larger image of basically the two of you looking at Breck Shea. <laughs> and by the way, I love Breck Shea. He's like he's like our really really good friend. So <laughs> yeah, but it has it has somehow lived on like it and it it's maybe for like the people who've kind of been around NWS a while, but it is kind of just this lasting image of like if you want a good reaction, there's there's a few that still are kicking around, but like. The one of you and Alex is honestly one of my favorites because for me, it is also like a perfect response to like when a man comes into my mentions and he's like, let me teach you about the economics of women's football (laughs) or get, you don't know what you're on about. And I'm like, oh, I get that one so much when I'm on men's games who actually I get, to be fair, I get a lot of positivity, but then sometimes you get negative ones and it's like, who was the girl on the call for this? And I'm like, this is when I know you haven't actually watched the game. So like it is the perfect, I need to actually use it a little bit more, but it's because it's Breck and I love Breck that I'm like, I feel guilty because he's the most supportive person of like women's sport and like supporting. He was always at our Orlando pride games, but we're, yeah, we were doing a photo shoot and he slipped in like, Hey ladies. And we were like, get out. Like, this is our photo shoot right now. You just had yours. So it's hilarious. He's a lovely human being, obviously here with inter Miami. Um, so I, I see him on the regular, but yeah, no, Orlando was definitely one of my most favorite teams to play for other than Portland. Portland was like a ride. Oh my God. The fan support, everything about it was incredible. The organization. Um, but I loved Orlando. Obviously I met my now husband there. Um, it was just a cool organization to play for. The, the city was really cool. Um, and yeah, just really good. Like teammates. I still have friends, obviously Sarah Hagen, I'm still really close with. Um, so yeah, I, I do love that picture. It is yeah. funny though. It's like you can use it as long as it's the crop version, because also like that's the best part of it, too. Like, it's just like without any context, it's just pure like annoyance and disgust. It is truly. Yeah. You need to time. send me the crop version because I don't have the crop version. <laughs> okay. so me, please. You I'll just text it to you and be like, yeah. here you go. <laughs> I love it. Or if I say something outrageous on air, just 
throw a tweet at me and be like, what are you on about? I had the soccer, is it Cooligans tweet at me and said, I had said something about a hospital last night. I was like, because the game, I was like, oh, this game's going to put me in hospital. And then you were, they were like, oh, she's so Canadian. I was like, I'm like, take me to the hospital. Oh, I said, yeah, take me to the hospital. And they're like, no, it's just take me to hospital. <laughs> uh, anyways, I was like, I don't even, I was like, any, I don't even know where I'm going with this point, but this is why I do love social media because you can interact with people, obviously good, bad, and ugly. But, um, thankfully I'm, I'm lucky that I've been getting a lot of good as of late. So I'll stay, uh, hopefully you'll stay on that train because I have gotten some bad hate before, but that's okay. It's all love at the end of the day. Yeah. All right. Why don't you, uh, we'll wrap up. How about you tell folks where they can find you on Twitter so that way they can interact with you during oh, game days. Only good. Uh, you're only allowed to interact with me on if it's good. So you can get me at Kaylin Kyle on Twitter. And then a lot of time on, on Instagram too, I like doing like lives of them in studio or like behind the scenes of stuff or if I'm about to call games. So again, that's just at Kaylin Kyle, super easy, super boring. But um, yeah, again, my personality is quite, quite big. So just prepare yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Kaylin. Again, I still cannot believe that I texted you on Friday and we had an entire league born and gone by the time we oh. actually recorded this so. i know it's wild i don't even know what day of the week it is i need wine and i think it's only like 10 a.m so <laughs> yeah i'm gonna have one all right thank you again bye all right thank you to kaylin for hopping on the show despite a very busy busy week of games and also who i really did ghost for a long time on twitter so apologies again but we are cool now one more thing, as always, uh, Jukebox the Ghost, which is one of the bands that I got very into when I lived in the District of Columbia and who also recorded their first album at the exact same studio as some of my friends, who are also in a band in D.C., are doing a couple of virtual shows playing their first two albums front to back online, and they're also on an actual real-life human tour <laughs> this fall, which does seem strange and weird, but also that like all is right and returning to the world if Jukebox the Ghost is actually on tour that is their default state, unless there's a pandemic. Anyway, they are delightful human beings. Ben is also very much a soccer person. And since I have been a fan since the very first album, I am extremely excited about their first show. It's also a little funny to tune into these two concerts since they are recording them live from New York City. So we will just be on opposite ends of the island of Manhattan. But you can check them out at Jukebox the Ghost on Twitter. Highly recommend if you like weird songs about the apocalypse or pop rock songs with piano, or both. All right. As always, the home for the show is at fulltimepod.com. You can find links to all of the major pot podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, you name it. And if you are enjoying the show, as always, a reminder that ratings and reviews make a difference. My name is Meg Linehan, and you have been listening to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Meg Linehan and my work at The Athletic. Full Time doesn't exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg Linehan, and thank you for listening.